0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Monsters May Vary, it's been a while. Um, hopefully after this week we're gonna be back every two weeks like we planned on. Um, some stuff did come up, personal family things, you know, like we've said before, life happens. But the object of tonight's episode is scaring Mindy via campfire stories since we are out camping. Um... I will read her some stories that I found on UltimateCampResource.com and see if we can get any kind of reaction. Our first story that I have chosen is called A House of Terror. The car finally gave out. Jeff hit the dashboard in frustration. It was bad enough that the car had to break down, but at night, in the rain, in the middle of God knows wherever he was. It was a fitting end to his bad week. This week had seen his wife leave him, taking his kids with him. He had been demoted at his job and was now forced to go back on the road as a salesman. Now, this had happened, and things weren't going to get any better anytime soon. Jeff decided that he might as well try to find a way out of this mess. He considered waiting for his car in his car for another car to come by and help him. The road wasn't used, often used though, so it might actually take hours. So Jeff decided to first walk down the road to see if if there were any other choices. After walking for half an hour in the pounding rain, Jeff came across an old house in the woods. Now Jeff had seen enough horror movies to make him turn back, but the rain alone was enough to override a sense of fear and trepidation. He walked up the winding road to the door. The house looked to be very old and not, up, not kept up well, and Jeff wondered if anyone lived there anymore. <laughs> he knocked on the door, and to his surprise, it was answered rather quickly. An older man, looking to be in his late 70s, asked him what he wanted. Jeff explained his situation and asked if the man had a phone or some way to help. The old man said he was very wary of travelers, but decided that Jeff looked honest enough and let him use his phone. Jeff thanked him and asked his name. He said his name was Joseph Palmer, and told Jeff the number to the nearest garage. Jeff made his way through to the phone, noticing that the house looked about as old inside as it did outside, and was surprised that there was even a phone in the place at all. He called the garage, but they said there was nothing they could do until morning and they would meet him at noon at his car. Mr. Palmer offered Jeff the guest room to sleep in for the night. Jeff was a bit, bit weary of spending the night in a, such a spooky old house, but decided that walking back in the rain and sleeping in the car couldn't be much safer than staying at this house. He accepted and was shown to the room. Would you stay in a house that was creepy? No, I wouldn't even go up to the house. Like that, I'd stay in the rain. I don't know, I feel like if I already made my way to the car from, or to the house from the car, that I'd kind of want to stay there. But at the same time, this old man seems already kind of creepy. I don't know why, because he's really done nothing, but I just feel like he's going to be creepy. Well, it's your fact that it's titled The House of Terror. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Oh yeah, so not only am I trying to scare Mindy, but I've also not read these myself yet, so it's kind of a surprise for me too. So anyways. The house was adorned with the unique with antique everything. Not a piece of furniture seemed to have been purchased in at least the last sixty or more years. mister Palmer showed him to his room and him and bidded him good night. I don't know if that's how you say that. The man was nice, but the whole situation still left Jeff unnerved. He just tried to call. He just, wow. Is that you or the? It's typed very weird. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to tell himself that he had watched far too many horror movies as a child. The bedroom had a canopy bed, and one old lamp, a single window, and red carpet. The house was eerily quiet as Jeff laid himself down on the bed, quiet except a creak here and a thump there. By now Jeff's imagination had him too paranoid to sleep, as he heard Mr. Palmer outside the room walking up and down the hallway outside. Up he went and down he went, then the footsteps stopped right outside his room. Jeff waited, yet nothing happened. a, A half an hour passed, and yet he heard nothing except the rain beating outside and the wind howling in the storm that blew on. Finally, sleep slowly overcame Jeff, even with his nervousness heightened. Slowly, his eyes closed, though he thought he could almost hear something scratching at his door. Jeff awoke. The storm had passed, and the daylight was shining through the window curtains. Happy that all the nervousness was for nothing, Jeff got out of bed and checked his watch. He had slept till till 11.20, and had to leave quickly before the people at the garage got to his car. Leaving the room, he was greeted by Mr. Palmer. Palmer asked him if he slept well. Jeff replied that he had, though he had trouble falling asleep. Palmer laughed and asked if he was afraid of the old house at night in the middle of nowhere. Jeff admitted that maybe he was a bit afraid, but he felt silly for that now. He thanked Palmer and said he had to leave quickly to get to his car. He turned to leave when suddenly something banged his head and everything went dark. When Jeff came to he was tied to a chair in the basement. The place reeked of horrible smells. Mr Palmer walked up to him a large knife in his hand. Jeff screamed and tried to free himself, but only tried to tired himself out. He looked up in horror at mister Palmer and asked him what he was why he was doing this and why now. Palmer answered that last night he would have been nervous, full of fear, and ready for an attack that Pat, that Palmer would do. No, that wasn't the right time. Everyone expects attacks at night, but during the morning, people were more relaxed and fear is low, making them blind to any chance of harm. Jeff asked him again why he was doing this. What was he going to do with him and said someone like the garage people would find out what happened. Palmer said that mishaps happened on highways at night mainly during storms so hardly anyone would ever think twice as to where where and why he had gone if anyone actually did start asking questions Palmer said that he would he had ways to discourage that kind of activity as for why he was doing this Palmer simply said that Jeff need not worry about that in fact he not, he need not worry about anything anymore Jeff looked into Palmer's eyes as he walked towards him. His eyes were completely black, and Jeff tried to scream. Uh, uh, dun, dun, dun. Mr. Palmer had to have been possessed. Something. Black eyes. Black eyes are always, always a possession, it seems like. Yeah. Demon, that's for sure. Usually demon, yeah. I don't know what else I've seen black eyes on. Maybe like the sirens or something like that. But either way, and I don't know why I keep picturing like the gunslinger for Mr. Palmer. That's what I'm going to start calling him now. Mr. Palmer. Every time we have the gunslinger on Dead by Daylight, it's going to be like, we got Mr. Palmer again, man. (laughs) Yeah, but Mr. Palmer. I don't want Mr. Palmer. Mr. Palmer is not fun. I hate the gun So yeah, I definitely think Mr. Palmer was demon-possessed. I am not sure what happened. It was very open-ended, but I can speculate that it was nothing good. I think poor Jeff probably met his end in that old house. And you should always follow your gut. If your gut tells you not to stay somewhere, I think... That you should just not stay somewhere. Like, our kids were actually talking about not liking cabins and not liking camping. And, well, they were just joking around. Of course, they love camping. And they love their cabin time and stuff like that. They're not unhappy here whatsoever. But it just kind of got me thinking. Because, you know, all the horror movies, like, of camping and stuff like that maybe kids just their intuition and stuff isn't brought out yet and it's dampened down when they're older like people say so you never really think about it but they always know what's up even in the beginning they're like no this isn't a good idea we shouldn't do that and then we talk them into doing that anyway (laughs) we're like no you're gonna be fine and inside they're going no this is a bad idea from start to finish this is a bad idea this is why we don't do this and all the movies tell us that, you know, that intuition that they felt was right. That, you know, maybe, maybe that wasn't a thing to do. Maybe camping is not a thing to do. Why are we camping? Because we're dumb. It's Okay. <laughs> we'll get through this, Mindy. So that one wasn't necessarily too scary. It was more like, you know, the common, don't approach strangers, stranger danger. Don't go into strange people's houses, you crackhead. Yeah, and definitely don't sleep there. So, now we are switching over to Backpackerverse.com and reading stories from there as well. This one is titled... I was excited to meet my new neighbor, but the terrifying memories of that night still haunt me. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, we had a neighbor who was very mysterious to the neighborhood, due to his odd behavior. It wasn't just his behavior. His, His house exuded some sinister atmosphere with the curtains perpetually drawn. For the most part, I ignored the house, and even the stories about different people coming and going at all hours. I wondered if the neighborhood, if the neighbor was, um, ah. one story that intrigued me was that no one saw more than one person at a time in or around the house. So I wondered if the neighbor was a Mm -hmm. shapeshifter, even shifting into female form, maybe even animal form. He always seemed to be very nervous when he went out to his car and when he arrived home as he let himself in. Come to think of it, all the different people who came and went acted suspiciously, looking this way and that way. Some people said that there were black masses being held there, or that it was a strange cult with strange, stranger practices. <clears throat> One night when I was 18, I had some girlfriends around for movie night, complete snacks and wine. We were distracted by eerie sounds and chanting. One of my friends grabbed a remote and turned the volume down, motioning for the rest of us to be quiet. We all stopped talking and strained our ears, becoming increasingly anxious at what appeared to be a ritual singing. It sounded like it was coming from Middle Eastern, Egyptian, or Indian, but it was difficult to figure out. Something about the music told me that it was far more ancient, but also it had an evil tinge almost unearthly. We looked out the window and saw the neighbor's house lit lit up from the inside with red and orange flickering lights. My friends started to dare me to go over and knock on the door, but I was far too afraid to do anything foolish. After a while, we ignored the music enchanting and turned the volume back up, finishing the movie and the wine. Some of my friends passed out and others fell asleep while I dragged myself up the stairs to my own bed. I couldn't fall asleep and I wasn't sure if it was the music and the chanting, so I got up and looked out the window. The pulsing colorful lights were mesmerizing and I soon felt myself becoming intoxicated and even entranced. I barely noticed that I'd started swaying like a cobra in tune with the music and slipped into a dreamlike state. My eyes were focused on the neighbor's window that was closest to mine on the other side of the low fence. It felt like the music was infiltrating my soul, affecting me from the inside out, taking over my thoughts and actions. The strange light was bright in the window, almost a golden yellowy, but when I saw next nearly blew my mind. It was the shadow of a tall man slowly walking toward the window, like he was positioning himself to watch me. I concentrated on the window and barely flinched when I started to see many arms behind his shadow. There were six arms in total now waving up and down in time with the music as the chant became more fervent. I couldn't discern the words they were saying and it didn't matter, as somehow I understood it on another level. What happened next seemed so shocking to me now, but at the same time it was the most natural thing in the world. In a trance I walked down the stairs and out the front door, making my way slowly to the neighbor's house. I was greeted at his door by an unholy being. Not even flinching at the unearthly sight before me, I followed the six-armed creature as it backed into the room, seemingly male and female at the same time. It gave me an unsettling smile while beckoning with all six hands. I don't remember anything or anyone else in the room, and the flickering lights, music, and chant washed over me. My body was still swaying like a snake and I continued to follow the entity as it backed further into the endless room. The uncontrollable desire in me was growing stronger by the moment, and I realized I could now understand the chance. I could hear words such as, come further, deeper. We are waiting, along with snorts, grunts, and sighs. By this this stage, all I wanted was to become one with the entity and soon found myself in his or her arms, swooning. I felt each arm and hand clamp around me, holding me tight against the warm flesh of the large torso next to me. I wasn't alarmed, and I noticed the strange vibrations all over, around, and inside me, feeling like my cells were dividing. My consciousness seemed to be switching back and forth, my body to the body of the bizarre entity. What the fuck? It's not like I disappeared, but rather I was immersed in the occupying, in and occupying the six-armed entity's body like possession. When I opened my eyes, it was like looking at a thousand eyes simultaneously, at a thousand lives or more. When I, what I saw varied from ultimate horror to incredible beauty, like bird's-eye view into many lives and through the ages. Then the chanting changed into many languages, and I could understand them all as the visions continued. I marveled at the fact I could feel each finger on each hand, on each arm, while the sensation of wonder took over. At first, I thought that I was becoming God, and then realized that something sinister was happening. Due to the fact that I was one with the entity, I suddenly realized that it knew my thoughts and implications. It was I who was possessed, and I saw the flash of an image that showed me a supposedly lifeless body at the door. The entity, or whatever it was, had tricked me into seeing and believing that being with the six arms in order to lure me in. There were many people, and what I thought were demons, humming and chanting, naked and intoxicated. Or... The things that I thought were people were actually demons, chanting naked and intoxicated. They were playing strange in- instruments, drumming, blowing tin whistles, strumming st- strumming sitars, discordant and evil. I began to scream when I saw a large ceremonial knife in one of the hands, which was now my hand. Stomping toward my own body in the doorway, I felt like my soul was swirling uncontrollably in a dark vortex. All I could think was call to God. Then I began doing my own chant and praying for God to save me. I screamed and cried and I pleaded as earnestly as I could for God to save me while the demons laughed and pointed. Suddenly everything blacked out and it seemed like an eon before I woke up whimpering in bed covered in sweat. My friends woke me up telling me that I was screaming in my sleep and it took ages for them to kick open my door. I know that I was possessed by the evil shapeshifter and that I hadn't dreamed about six arms or the terrible vision it revealed. I'm lucky to be alive. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? So, what- I'm gonna have some weird-ass dreams <laughs> today. What next door? All of a sudden he got possessed by a six-armed thing. And then it turned into him and he was going to stab himself with a ceremonial knife. I don't understand it. I don't think he understood it. Maybe it's just not meant to be understood. Skinwalkers. Maybe, maybe it's like Rosemary's Baby and it just makes no goddamn sense. Ooh, this one on Backpackerverse is called Playing Chicken with a Witch on the Road. What? I don't know, but it sounds interesting. I wonder if brooms are involved. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I saw this thing oh, my aunt actually sent me. <laughs> It was a picture of a broom on fire, and it said it's motor blue. Jesus. I find it funny. My family sends me weird things like that sometimes. (laughs) Okay. Visiting my cousin for the first time since she moved out of home was a happy adventure for me. She'd moved to the country and had a great view of rolling mountains, not to mention the gardens and ferniers. We heard a spooky story about a witch who apparently lived in a hut somewhere close by, but laughed it off. My cousin enjoyed herself, herself creeping me out and telling me how the witch was behind had been killing locals many years ago. Before I drove off, she couldn't help but taunt me with, I hope you don't see her on the way home. I laughed as I pulled out of her driveway, but once I was on the road, my nerves got the better of me. It was dark and had started raining, so I was careful and drove a little slower than usual. After about 15 minutes, the rain began to pound harder, and I nearly veered off the road when I saw something. Skidding to a stop, I turned and looked behind me. I froze when I saw a woman hunched down on the road. Even though there was something odd about her, I got out of my car and crept over to her, trembling in fear. I nearly fell backwards as she suddenly straightened up and disappeared in a flash of light. I thought I was going crazy. I decided not not to stay a second longer and turned to race back to the car. I tripped over my own feet when I saw her. There she was, standing next to the door on my driver's side, hunched over again but staring straight at me. I'll never forget the menacing look on her horrifying face. Even in the rain, I could see her large, glaring eyes. Then her mouth opened as she stood up again. With a piercing shriek, she lunged towards me. I braced myself and screamed, but once again she disappeared in a flash. The thunder and lightning had grown steadily, and I didn't want to wait around to test any theories. I ran to the car and got in, terrified for my life and fumbling for the keys. Once I finally got into the car got the car started and hit the headlights I gasped when I saw her face in front of the car she was only a few feet away and seemed to be fading in and out like a projector flickering image barely breathing I slammed my foot on the accelerator and tail and fish tailed right through her I was never one to believe in spooky stories as I drove through her she seemed to disappear again but I felt a horrible feeling on the back of my neck I expected to see her in the rearview mirror, but she was gone. I kept driving in a blind panic. It wasn't until I got to the bottom of the mountain a good 30 minutes later when I stopped the car. I pulled out my cell and tried to call my cousin, but couldn't get through. When I arrived home, I got a hold of her and told her what happened. She freaked as as her power has gone out. I still get a chill when I think about that night. I knew that she was a witch. That she was the witch we talked about, and it's one of those scary experiences I'll never shake off. You think it was the witch? I think it was a bitch. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know. I think there was so much wrong with that. Like, I would not be trying to go anywhere near anybody crouching at me and looking menacing at all. Right. Like, you're just asking for a situation. Yeah, I just, yeah. Not, not good. Uh, escaping the house of demons. This ought to be good because why not talk about demons, right? Right? After my divorce, I was at an all-time low, desperately feeling the need for solitude and introspection. Not having the accessible funds for a getaway, a work friend graciously offered me offered her stone cottage in the woods. Being a two-hour drive away, it was a welcome retreat, and I thanked her profusely for the opportunity to, to es- opportunity to escape. Sorry, I can't talk. Um, before I left, she dropped me dropped by to give me the keys. I was surprised to see her quite nervous as she handed them over. I asked her if she was okay and she turned around before getting into her car, pursing her lips, and she was conflicted. I should have told you before, but we've been going there for three years. We haven't been there in three years. You might have to clean it up a bit. I laughed and shook shook my head at her. That's no big deal. Don't worry about it. She continued to stare at me. There's something else. She closed the door and came closer to me. Some say that it's haunted. I laughed heartily at the absurd statement. Come on, you know I don't believe in that stuff. I'll be fine. I ignored the fact that she was shaking in fear. After a hug, I pondered the fact that my friend was so gullible and surmised that the cottage was probably just old. I arrived at the property around 5 p.m. on Saturday night and had taken a week off to enjoy my welcome holiday. Driving up the dirt road towards the site, I noticed that it was nestled in the trees with a, sh- with a storage shed out in the back. I also noticed a strange fog around the property, which had not been anywhere else on my drive up the mountain. I parked in the front of the cottage to admire the stonework, which was built with rocks taken away by a nearby river. The wooden door and, sh- door and shutters added old-world charm, and quaint shingles on the roof completed the look. When I unlocked the front door and opened it wide, I was surprised at how sparse the furniture was. I was also surprised that the mess my friend had mentioned was non-existent, so I dragged my bags and set up. <clears throat> Happy that my grief over my divorce was suspended, I had makeshift meal and settled in for the night. It took a while for me to realize that the usual sound one might expect in the woods were absent from the area. As I laid in bed, Wondering why everything was so quiet, I heard soft footsteps coming from the main room. Then I saw a dark shadow appearing under the crack of the door, while the footsteps multiplied and raced faster. I sat up and watched flickering shadows like black fire coming from the other room. The footsteps got louder. Getting out of bed, I took a step towards the door, but stopped when it slowly started opening, on its own. The creaking of the door almost hurt my eardrums and I shuddered as a cold breeze whipped around me. Being able to see the whole room, I was puzzled to still be hearing footsteps. Then I realized they were coming from the ceiling. Suddenly, unseen hands, more like claws, shoved me forward. I screamed and stumbled into the main room. I quickly spun around just in time to see the bedroom door slam shut. The demonic laugh froze me on the spot. I launched at the front door but was stopped by a large pair of hands grabbing me by the hair. Then I jerked upwards towards the air. Screaming in terror and suspended mid-air, my feet scrambled to find footing and my scalp burned with pain. I yelled, let me go, as I dangled in the air. I was then thrown viciously across the room. Landing on a chair, I then tumbled over it and felt sharp fingers clawing at my flesh. The black finger flickering flames turned out to be demons which I still can't believe to this day it's hard for me to call them demons but I still think that's how you describe them they also had evil red eyes I yelled in a rage what do you want one of the larger demons flew straight at my face and roared loudly at first I didn't understand the words as I was distracted by the stench and icy cold blasts coming from its mouth I realized that the cold was actually fire and that was so hot It had become a searing chill straight from hell. I tried to get up, but was slammed back down by the powerful claws. I screamed my question again louder this time. I nearly fainted when I heard the response. Slower this time. Blood and soul. Screaming. (laughs) Pierce. Isn't that usually what they want, though? Right. I mean, does that come as as a surprise to anybody? I mean, if you know it's a demon, why are you going to ask what it wants? Obviously, it doesn't want anything good. What's a cupcake? <laughs> yes. This is what is do a you want? I would like a birthday cake. I haven't been celebrated in years, in <laughs> eons. <laughs> Nobody is saying to me since, since Caesar's time. Oh, Jesus. Oh, goodness, yes. Screaming pure terror, I fell back and twisted myself around and quickly crawled toward the front door. Many claws grabbed at my ankles, but I ignored the scratches and tearing of my flesh as I focused on escaping. The demonic laughter bellowed in my ears, and several phrases broke through my consciousness, like, get her, drink the blood, and swallow the soul, make her one of us. By this time, I thought I was going insane. Miraculously, I was able to open the door and was soon on my feet, racing towards the car, dressed in my nightie. Once I got in the car, I realized I didn't have the keys. I fell to the ground and then turned to look at the cottage. Sobbing and shaking, I saw a tall, terrifying devil man glaring at me with a vicious snarl on his fiery face. For some reason, he wouldn't step over the threshold, so I crept over to the other side of the car and waited. The next thing I knew, it was early in the morning— I was freezing and my teeth were chattering. I slowly stood up and looked over at the cottage. The door was still open, but the demon wasn't there anymore. Even though I was freezing, I kept crept up the steps and peered into the cottage. The furniture was smashed and unbent, keeping my upended. Keeping my eyes on my on my purse and suitcase, I ran in fast as I could and snatched them up. And I ran for the door. As I approached the threshold, I heard a dark chuckle from somewhere in the cottage as the hand grabbed my hair. Not wanting to have a repeat performance, I surged forward and felt a clump of my hair being ripped from my scalp. I ran for the car and threw my bags in, not even bothering to get dressed. I felt a trickle of blood run down my neck. It took ages for me to get the car started and I sobbed loudly even though my anger was building to a fever pitch. When the car finally started, I planted my foot on the accelerator and roared away from the cottage. Reaching around to feel the blood on my neck, I was baffled to find that nothing was there. My scalp was intact. I still have no idea what happened that day, but I'm sure I didn't hallucinate the demons in their terrifying attack. They didn't get my blood or my soul. (laughs) So It's a good thing, right? So it only made her think she was injured. It wasn't really injured. She didn't get, they didn't get my blood or my soul, my soul. Like, haha, bitches. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But anyway, that's all we have for you this week. Like I said, we are going to do more planning and try to be more focused. Um, we will talk to you again in about two weeks, so good night. sleep tight, Keep warm by the fire, and have a good time, and be safe, and... Don't let the demons get your blood. And not only that, since we are camping and talking about camping things, you know, follow all the rules you hear in the horror movies. Like the, don't split up. Um, stay a virgin. What else is there, Mindy? Um... (laughs) Never make any comment about it being okay or quiet. Staying a virgin didn't work out very good for that one lady in the episode of oh, Supernatural. She's still right. Huh. But anyway, yeah, bye guys.